0: volume 2 chapter 10 of vixen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by jane shanley vixen by mary elizabeth braden volume 2 chapter 10 something like a ride it was impossible to go on hating lord mallow forever He was a man whose overflowing good nature would have conciliated the direst foe could that enemy have been exposed long enough to its softening influence he came upon the dull daily life of the abbey house like a burst of sudden sunshine on a gloomy plain the long winter evenings when there was no company had been sorely oppressive to vixen out of respect to her mother she had kept her place in the drawing-room reading or working at some uninteresting strip of point-lace which she had no hope of ever finishing though it had been promised to mr scoble for his church captain Win Stanley read the newspapers or the quarterlies and paced the room thoughtfully at the intervals he talked to his wife just enough to escape the charge of neglect but rarely spoke to or noticed violet sometimes mrs win stanley asked for a little music whereupon violet went to the piano and played her scanty recollections of mozart or beethoven all tuny bits remembered out of the sonatas or symphonies miss Macroe had taught her or if asked to sing the girl sang a ballad or two to order in her full round mezzo-soprano which had a thrilling expression at times when feeling got the better of her proud reserve, and all the pent-up sorrow of her heart broke loose into her song. But Captain Winstanley took no notice of these efforts, and even her mother's praises were not enthusiastic. Very sweet, very nice, was the most vixen ever heard from those maternal lips as she closed the piano. But here was Lord Mallow, passionately fond of music and singing and the beauties of nature and all things that appeal to the sensitive hibernian character it seemed a new thing to violet to have someone standing by the piano turning over the leaves applauding rapturously and entreating for another and yet another irish melody when she sang the minstrel boy he joined in with a rich baritone that harmonized finely with her full ripe notes the old room vibrated with the strong gush of melody and even captain Win Stanley was impelled to praise how well your voices harmonize he said you ought to try some duets i remember that fine baritone of yours in days of old mallow thereupon lord mallow asked miss tempest if she had any duets and vixen produced her small stock of vocal music they tried one or two of mendoshan's i would that my love and greeting and discovered that they got on wonderfully well together vixen fell asleep that night wondering at her own amiability to think that i should sing sentimental duets with him she said to herself the man who has bullfinch lord mallow's presence at the abbey house had a marked effect upon Captain Winstanley's treatment of his stepdaughter. Hitherto there had been a veiled bitterness in all his speeches, a constrained civility in his manners. Now he was all kindness, all expansion. Even his wife, who admired him always and thought him the soul of wisdom in all he did, could not be blind to the change, and a new sense of peacefulness stole into her feeble mind. It was so pleasant to see dear Conrad so sweetly kind to Violet. "'What are we going to do with Lord Mallow this morning, Violet?' asked the captain, at breakfast, the day after the Irishman's arrival. "'We must try to amuse him somehow.' "'I don't think I have much to do with it,' Vixen answered coldly. "'You will find plenty of amusement, I dare say, in the billiard-room, in the stables, or in showing Lord Mallow your improvements.' that would do very well for a wet morning but it would be a profligate waste of fine weather no i propose that you should show mallow some of the prettiest bits in the forest i am not half so accomplished a guide as you but we'll all go i'll order the horses at once if you like my plan mallow said captain winstanley turning to his friend and taking violet's consent for granted i shall be quite too delighted if miss tempest will honour us with her company replied the irishman with a pleasant look at vixen's fresh morning face rosy red with vexation it was the first time her stepfather had ever asked her to ride with him and she hated doing it it was the first time she had ever been asked to ride with anyone but her father or roderick vaudrey yet to refuse would have been impossible without absolute discourtesy to her mother's husband and her mother's guest so she sat in her place and said nothing and lord mallow mistook the angry carnation for the warm red of happy girlhood which blushes it knows not wherefore captain winstanley ordered the horses to be at the door in half an hour and then he took lord mallow off to look at the stables while violet went upstairs to put on her habit why was the Captain so unusually amiable? She speculated, was his little soul so mean that he put on a better manners to do honour to an Irish peer? She came tripping down the wide old staircase at the end of the half-hour in habit and hat of Lincoln Green with a cock's feather in the neat little hat and a formidable hooked hunting crop for opening gates, little feet daintily shod in patent leather, but no spur. She loved her horse too well to run a needle into his sleek hide at the slightest provocation. There were three horses held by Bates and Lord Mallow's groom, Bullfinch, looking as if he had just taken a prize at Islington and was inclined to be bumptious about it. Arian tossing his delicately modelled Greek head and peering furtively after bogies in the adjacent shrubbery. Captain Win Stanley's well-seasoned hunter moss trooper nodded his long bony head and swaying his fine-drawn neck up and down in a half-savage half-scornful manner as if he were at war with society in general like the miller of d vixen who had looked the picture of vexation at the breakfast-table was now all gaiety her hazel eyes sparkled with mischief lord mallow stood in the porch watching her as she came down the shining oak staircase glorious in the winter sunlight he thought her the perfection of a woman nay more than a woman a goddess diana the divine huntress must have looked so he fancied he ran forward to mount her on the fidgety arian but honest old bates was too quick for him and she was looking down at lord mallow graciously from her perch on the well worn doe skin saddle before he had time to offer his services. She leaned over to Pat Bullfinch's massive crest. Dear old horse, she murmured tenderly, remembering those winter mornings of old, when he had stood before the porch as he stood today, waiting for the noble rider who was never more to mount him. Yet life goes on somehow without our beloved dead, thought Violet her changeful face saddened at the idea and she rode along the shrubbery drive in silence where are you going to take us asked the captain when they had emerged from the abbey-house grounds crossed the coach-road and made their plunge into the first cart-track that offered itself everywhere answered vixen with a mischievous laugh you have chosen me for your guide and all you have to do is follow and she gave Arian a light touch with her hunting crop, and cantered gaily down the gently sloping track to a green lawn, which looked, to Captain Winstanley's experienced eye, very much like a quaggy bog. Steer towards your left,' he cried anxiously to Lord Mallow. If there was danger near, Vixen managed to avoid it she made a sweeping curve skirted the treacherous-looking lawn and disappeared in another cart-track between silvery trunks of veteran beeches self-sown in the dark ages with here and there a gnarled old oak rugged and lichen mantled with feathery tufts of fern nestling in the hollow places between his gaunt limbs that was a ride Lord Mallow could remember nothing like it, and he was destined to carry this in his memory for a lifetime. The ghostly trees, the silver-shining bark of the beeches, varying with a hundred indescribable shades of green and purple and warmest umber, the rugged grey of the grand old oaks, the lichens and mosses, the mysterious wintry growths of toadstool and weed and berry that awful air of unearthliness which pervaded the thicker portions of the wood as of some mystic underworld half shadow and half dream no lord mallow could never forget it nor yet the way that flying figure in lincoln green led them by bog and swamp over clay and gravel through as many varieties of soil as if she had been trying to give them a practical lesson in geology across snaky ditches and pebbly fords through furze bushes and thickets of holly through everything likely to prove aggravating to the temper of a well-bred horse and finally before giving them breathing time she led them up the clayey side of a hill as steep as a house on the top of which she drew rein and commanded them to admire the view this is acres down and there are the needles she said pointing her whip at the dim blue horizon if it were a clear day and your sight were long enough i dare say you would see jersey guernsey alderney and sark but i think to-day you must be content with the needles can you see them she asked lord mallow see them exclaimed the irishman i can see well enough to thread one of them if i wanted now you've seen the isle of wight said vixen that's a point accomplished the ardent desire of every in the forest is to see the isle of wight they are continually mounting hills and gazing into space in order to get a glimpse at that chalky little island it seems the main object of everybody's existence they might as well go and live there at once if they're so fond of it suggested lord mallow "Yes." And then they would be straining their eyes in the endeavor to see the great horse. That's a group of firs on the top of a hill, and one of our forest sea marks. That frantic desire to behold distant objects has always seemed to me to be one of the feeblest tendencies of the human mind. Now you have seen the needles. We have accomplished a solemn duty, and I may show you our woods vixen shook her rein and trotted recklessly down a slippery path jumped a broad black ditch and plunged into the recesses of the wood bullfinch and moss trooper followed meekly they went a wonderful round winding in and out of Bratley wood piercing deep into the wintry glories of mark ash through mud and moss and soft pitfalls where the horses sank up to their hocks in withered leaves avoiding bogs by a margin of a yard or so up and down under spreading branches where the cattle line but just cleared the heads of the riders across the blackened bracken by shining hollies whose silvery trunks stood up like obelisks out of a thicket of dwarf bushes through groves where the tall beech trunks had a solemn look like the columns of some gigantic temple then into wondrous plantations of scotch firs where the air was balmy as in summer and no breath of the december wind penetrated the dense wall of foliage then to higher ground where the wintry air blew keen again and where there were a soft green lawn studded with graceful conifers cypress diodora douglas fir tall with a growth of thirty years the elegant importations of an advanced civilization anon by the gray lichened wall of a deserted garden which had a strangely romantic look and was as suggestive of a dreamy idyllic world as a poem by tennyson and so down into the green and gray depths of mark ash again but never returning over the same ground and then up the hill to Vinnie ridge and the heronry where captain winstanley cracked his whip to scare the herons and had the satisfaction of scaring his own and the other two horses while the herons laughed him to scorn from their cradles in the tree-tops and would not stir a feather for his gratification then by a long plantation to a wild stretch of common where vixen told her companions that they were safe for a good while and set them an example by starting Aryan across the short smooth turf at a hand-gallop they pulled up just in time to escape a small gulf of moss and general sponginess waded a stream or two splashed through a good deal of spewy ground and came to queen's bower thence into the oak plantations of new park then across gretnam wood and then at a smart trot along the road towards home i hope i haven't kept you out too long said vixen politely we've only been five hours answered the captain with grim civility but if mallow is not tired i shall not complain i've never enjoyed anything so much in my life never protested lord mallow well tomorrow we can shoot the pheasants it will be a rest for us after this it will be dull work after the enchantments of today," said the irishman captain winn stanley rode homewards a few paces in the rear of the other two smiling to himself grimly and humming a little song of Hine's, as east ein alta grey seat the bleep see immer new. end of volume 2 chapter 10 recording by jane shanley bill rickamass